Hello, and welcome to Close Talking, the world's most popular poetry analysis podcast from Cardboard Box Productions Incorporated. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Munley, and with my good friend Connor McNamara-Stratton, we read a poem, talk about the poem, and read the poem again. Before we get into today's selection, a quick note that if you like what we do here at Close Talking and have a spare minute of your time, it would mean the world to us if you would give the podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings and reviews help boost us up the algorithm and find new listeners. And if you have suggestions for future episodes or comments on this one, you can send us an email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com. And you can also find us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at Close Talking. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn, and Connor is at Connor M. Stratton. On Instagram, the show is at Close Talking Poetry, and on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash close talking. We also have a website, closetalking.com, where you can find all the past episodes of the show, and Cardboard Box Productions has just launched a newsletter, Unboxed. And if you go to cardboardboxproductionsinc.com, you can subscribe for more behind-the-scenes stuff on Close Talking and all of the other literary and cultural history podcasts that Cardboard Box Productions makes. On with the show. Hello and welcome to this all-new episode of Close Talking. I am co-host Jack Rossiter-Mundley. And I am co-host Connor McNamara-Stratton. And we are continuing our line... Break. 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 Our line break extravaganza here to close out Poetry Month 2022. It's the last week of Poetry Month episode a day thing that we do here and uh so far we've we've set the stage a little bit talking about line breaks in general yesterday we talked about drama in the line break drama today we are talking about miming <laughs> drama's <laughs> silent cousin <laughs> is that so <laughs> yeah that's what they all say so what's what's miming what is going on with miming in poetry in a way, it's kind of the the opposite kind of thing that drama is, which is like an all encompassing kind of architecture of poetry or sort of thing. Whereas like miming I th- is like kind of like a, it's like a one thing. It's like a it's like a moment that a line break can do. Um, but basically the way that I think about it, Um, it's just, it's kind of like the effect of the line breaks is imitating something that is being expressed in the actual poem. Um, and that's, that's basically the, the, the long and short of it. And we have a couple examples because I think it's, it's good to get a range of these ones because they're a little shorter. There's a, there's a poet, Pierre Joris, um, who, who has these wonderful sort of long poems that are just like times, uh, and like, and, uh, there's one that I, I just always think about this one and it's funny to me. Um, and it's from 10 20 PM and this is just a little excerpt from it, but it's like, and then gets good and drunk and Alan 
This one's for you. <laughs> Uh, we are recording this as we as we speak at 11:31 p.m. I feel a kinship with Pierre Joris at 10:00. Yeah, that's true. We're close, but you're you're right. I mean this this is like uh in a way it is using line breaks to do what you might otherwise do with some sort of like onomatopoetic spelling experiments yeah. where it's like this is line breaks as slurring. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think it's good and drunk and Alan. This one's for you, buddy, old friend, old palace, 10 20 p.m. And we're doing it again, Alan. And and for those those listeners out there, um, which is all of you, the apostrophe S is on its own line. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, yeah, we should explain. Basically, <laughs> The, the longest line in this poem has three words and it's the first one. And that line is, and then gets. So it's, it's very spread out line to line with exactly. other than that first line, there are two, you could call them two word lines, but it's an ampersand and a word. And other than that, it's one word a line, or as you noted one, and then the next line is apostrophe S. And if you don't read that as ones, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And and kind of like thinking back to those, um, if it's if it's helpful, if it's not, please ignore. Bloop doop. Um, those little axes of of language, you know, where you got your speech on the one hand, writing on the other hand, then you got your like teeny tiny sounds, and then you got your humongo lines and sentences on the other side this is it and and kind of the moments of of breakage are right so the sound the speech right is what's the the poem is really bringing to attention you know this is not written out this is you know we're imitating a slurred speech um and the the word is kind of being broken up in the most sort of dramatic moment here where it's like one's you know, like that's, I mean, it, you know, it, it's a contraction, but it's like, anyway, so the, the kind of the moment of the line break is happening at one of those junctures, um, which is a thing. Um, yeah. And kind of, okay. So two other ones, I won't read this whole poem. This is a very classic poem. And I think he's a good so this this is this poem is is called the blessing it's by james wright um i think if you want to know about line breaks or a certain way to do line breaks james wright's book which won the pulitzer the branch will not break is a very very like he is making use of them in a very dramatic way that I think is largely very effective and, and his best poems are doing it in, in a really cool way. Um, but I think he's kind of a lot of, I think contemporary American poetry um, is indebted to his poems in some ways, because I think they were very influential um, at least as a certain style. Uh, even if kind of, you know, even if the poet hasn't maybe read James Wright per se, it's like, you know, through the grapevine or whatever. Anyway, 
won't read the whole poem, but the poem is kind of he's in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, close to me. Very close. Just hanging out. And basically, there's some horses. And the whole poem is like, wow, I saw horses. And then they come toward me. And it's amazing. And it's a blessing. And the basically, the whole poem is like describing this encounter. Um, and then the very end, the last three lines is, suddenly I realize that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. Um, and I think there's there are a different the the line breaks are doing a number of different things, but the break and then it's a line break into blossom is a kind of I think there is a little bit of the miming happening where the kind of the rupture that's being described as a result of this encounter is sort of being enacted uh, in in the line breaks itself. Definitely. This is not line break related, but it has just occurred to me that uh, there is also obviously Rochester, New York. And I wonder if this poem in any way inspired the scene in Michael Clayton, where he gets out of his car and goes to look at some horses in upstate New York. Wow. That would be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. But uh yeah, I rewatched that recently. It's a great movie. Um, but no, those those last three lines and the way the line breaks work out there are really kind of striking and they gain a lot of power from the break. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, there's also just so many other things that are kind of happening in the break because because also like and this is less that you would you wouldn't have known because I haven't read it to you. But, you know, there's a lot of long lines and it's it's very sort of um it's like a realistic descriptions of like here i am there's this horse oh my god kind of thing um but then you know there's like suddenly i realize and that's all on its own line and it's like there is a it's actually kind of a drama thing where there's this long extended moment with this horse that the speaker's having and then there's this very short line that has suddenly and it's like we are having an epiphany kind of thing. Um, and then also the break, in addition to breaking, it's like break into blossom and like you're a person and it's like, how does that happen? I don't know, but we're in a poem and you're James Wright and I believe you for a moment. Um, and it's like all of those kind of like magical jumps are happening like, really centrally because of the ways that the, that that one sentence is broken up into the lines. Yeah. yeah. It feels like the line breaks kind of, I don't know. They respect the jumps that are happening <laughs> yeah. as much as they represent them. <laughs> it's like you need the, well, we'll talk a little bit more specifically about time and line breaks, but you kind of need the time even though an epiphany like this probably on some level is happening kind of all at once and it might be overwhelming 
as a reader, you need the time to catch up to each of those moves from like, I'm touching a horse's ear to I'm being transformed, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And I think that that's, that's definitely mimicked there in the line breaks. And it's also an instance of, you know, you do kind of want to read along with the line breaks more than the sentence, because those last three lines are a sentence, but they feel more like you want to read them as suddenly I realize that if I stepped out of my body, I would break into blossom. They feel right to say that way, even though it is, it's one thought on some level and it can be a sentence. Suddenly I realized that if I stepped out of my body, I'd break into blossom. Like, yeah, wild stuff, right? Like, check it out. You know, but <laughs> only if you're good and drunk though, you know only what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, this one's for you. <laughs> friend. But listen, and I just stepped out of my body. I'd break into blossom like a beautiful horse. I'm my flanks are shining in the noonday sun. Anyway, uh <laughs> but like yeah, it's it's an instance where you want the sonic to follow the the line breaks for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, and then the last one is another classic. So the last one that I think is a good example of miming and it's it's also a fun I feel like it has an unofficial golden shovel status where a lot of poets have done their version of this poem um and it's kind of fun to see i was just reading um rick rick barrett's uh, galleons book and he has he has one that's kind of in this style anyway um it's the day lady died um it's by frank o'hara um and it's about the day billy holiday died um and yeah and so the poem is just kind of like going through the speaker's day in new york and all that um and so i won't read the whole thing um but i'll just read the last several lines because i think it gives a good um sense of it um and for mike i just stroll into the park lane liquor store and ask for a bottle of strega And then I go back where I came from to 6th Avenue and the tobacconist, this Ziegfeld Theater, and casually ask for a carton of Galauses and a carton of Picayunas and a New York Post with her face on it. And I am sweating a lot by now and thinking of leaning on the John door in the five spot while she whispered a song along the keyboard to Mal Wadron and everyone and I stopped breathing yeah and this one is just kind of it's 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 really amazingly done um but it's the the it really shows the miming in a lot of great ways because it's kind of like it's that moment like where something momentous happens maybe it's a celebrity is dying and everything maybe it's something in your own life but like that kind of you know when people are when when people are like uh i remember when i was there when i learned that this happened or or something you know or when i got the news um and it's like time time itself is kind of becoming more and more immediate um 
and so and that's why you kind of have this this whole poem which the content is 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 also doing that where it's like okay we don't need your play-by-play frank o'hara like i don't need to know like what you know whether you are or aren't leaning on the john door or like all the things that you got from the tobacconist you know but it's like he's giving you all those details but then also the line breaks are kind of you know the sentences and the line breaks are working together where you have this run-on sentence you know everything is basically one sentence the whole poem um and there's just a bunch of ands and ands and ands um and and for mike i just stroll into the park lane liquor store and casually ask for a carton and i am sweating a lot by now um but then also the line breaks for a certain part of it it's like we get you know uh and line break then i go back where i came from to sixth avenue and the tobacconist in the zigfield theater and casually ask for a carton and there's this kind of interrupting with the breathlessness of the sentence and the descriptions that kind of sort of i think replicate that kind of like disorienting but like i'm in the middle of it kind of thing and then at the end it's like while she whispered a song along the keyboard tamal wadron and everyone and i stopped breathing and like the way that and everyone and i stopped breathing happens um is snuck into the middle of the line is subverting the kind of pattern that had been set up but then it also kind of plays along with the imitation and the miming of just like that kind of moment when it's like all of a sudden it's like the you know the record skips and like everything stops you know um yeah yeah the line breaks give it sort of that slightly jittery tumbling feeling where it's it's more than just it's all happening at once and I'm going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. It's a very specific kind of feeling to that. As you were saying, like, it's not just a hectic day. It's not just a day in the life kind of thing. Like the way the line breaks work with the kind of stream of consciousness creates the atmosphere, creates that tumbling from almost like billiard ball or pinball, just like bouncing from one thing to the next, to the next. And the way that that last line, if it was on its own and just said, and everyone and I stopped breathing would be one thing, but it doesn't. It's a more total way that that kind of all comes to a rest at the end because it tumbles into it just like everything else while she whispered a song along the keyboard line break to Maul Waldron and everyone and I stopped breathing. It all just kind of goes until it stops. Yeah, it really does do that because of the line breaks. Because there's also a little bit of a feel in parts of this poem, I think, um, not just because it's got like five spot in it or whatever, but there's a little bit of the sort of like film noir, pulp detective fiction narration feeling to it. Um, both in terms of what it is describing and some of the ways that things are described. It's like this guy and this place. And then I went over here to that guy at this other place. Like it's very, 
you know, it, it, it feels like that kind of narration too, but it is given again, this entirely different texture because of the way that the lines are interrupting themselves and, you know, a bunch of them start with an and and for and doesn't and of and after like all these ways of starting the lines that are so obviously continuations and extensions. And it just, yeah, it all kind of like tumbles to a stop as opposed to having any kind of other construction, even the construction of like, I went to this place then I went to that place then I went to this other place. Like that would be much cleaner if the line breaks were in different places or if they were anaphoristically presented, like, and I went here and did this, and I went there and did that, and I went to this other place and did this other thing. Um, that just would not read in anything close to the same way. And this does, yeah, such an interestingly specific way. Uh, this does that miming in such an interestingly specific way. No, absolutely. Yeah, and that last point too, it makes me think of actually um, the the poem we just talked about by Forrest Gander beckoned where we have the anaphoristic at which point, but in that poem, it's all at the beginning um, of the line. And so it, it doesn't have, like you could think of a version of the poem where the at which points are coming in all different places in the lines and it would, um, I'm not exactly sure what feel it would have, but there, but it would be a very different feel where there's a, there's a kind of, you know, that poem has a sort of like trance, like fugue kind of grief stupor thing going on that I think is helped by the anaphora's placement at the beginning. Um, and, and this is, this is obviously going for something much, much different, but I think that's a really good, that's a really good point. And we will indeed be discussing that poem, I think a little bit later on during this line break week, because, you know, anaphora and line breaks go hand in hand and uh, there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, they do. The last thing I'll say is this is something where it occasionally, sometimes we talk about the form being too loud there's sometimes a miming where it's like, oh, this is what the line break is for this because you're trying to kind of imitate the content, you know, like uh, James Wright, uh, maybe someone probably did it before him, but like the break as the line break signaling the rupture, it's like, you know, there's a, as opposed to the drama, which is like, not it's like a, a a a broader thing this is like a tool or like a kind of a technique that sometimes can become um in this case or that case and sometimes some readers will think of it that way and some won't as more of a gimmick or something like that um which i just mention as a you know um just a thing um that it's that it's like um yeah it's just in your own reading and your own writing um it's it's interesting to once you kind of are aware of this this use of it um that you're like oh that was a little maybe louder than it needed to be or something like that my friend uh who grew up in floral park new york 
told me one time about how uh, so there's Floral Park and there's South Floral Park and there were always police cars that would like wait along the border because like South Floral Park was bad. So I always joked that if you wrote a poem about it, you would start it off by saying police cars, floral, line break, parked, and then go from there. And that would be exactly the example of like what you're <laughs> describing, I think, where it's just like you roll your eyes when you see that because it's like, come on, <laughs> we get it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, um when we began our podcast line break <laughs> that was tough that was like a dad joke level gimmick you know what i'm saying it oh, was oh yeah uh we we both we commit we do well one thing that's certainly not painful is in fact this podcast and that is why we will be back again tomorrow with even more on line breaks this time talking about emphas- emphasis yeah oh and and you kind (laughs) of because then it we were and we were referring to the (laughs) emphasis we'll be talking about using line breaks for emphasis Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is co-host Jack Rossiter Munley. Just reminding you that there are a ton of ways that you can get in touch with us, and we love to hear from you. You can send us an email at closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com, or the show and Connor and myself are all on Twitter. That's another great way to connect. I am at Jack Rossiter Munn. Connor is at Connor M. Stratton, and the show is at Close Talking. You can also find us on Instagram at Close Talking Poetry or on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking. See you next time.